His love is mighty and so much stronger. The King of glory, the King above all kings. Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder and leaves us breathless in awe and wonder. The King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me.
You're welcome to take a seat if you'd like. I'd like to welcome you here this morning to Faith Family Fellowship. My name is Matthew, one of the pastors here, and would like to extend you a welcome if you are visiting with us. If you're a guest here this morning, there should be a card right in front of you in the, the pew back that says communication card and would love to have a record of your, your visit with us this morning. And if you would fill that out, drop that in the basket on your way out today as your offering. I would love to have the uh, opportunity to reach out to you this week and, uh, and see how we can pray for you or what we can, if we can do anything. So I hear some thunder and some rain. And so fitting as we have, we have been inundated with rain to read a few verses from Psalm 93 to us this morning, where it says that your throne, O God, is established from, from of old. You are from everlasting. The floods had lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring. Mightier than the thunders of many waters, mightier than the waves of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. Your decrees are very trustworthy. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. God is mighty. No matter the waves, no matter what difficulty in life, no matter what seems insurmountable, the Lord is the Lord. He is mightier than all. And so let's continue in worship this morning together. And let's, uh, let's stand together as we, as we continue to worship. song we could ever sing, worthy of all the praise we could ever breathe, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. Every breath we could ever bring, 
that welcomes me the kindness of mercy that bought with blood wholeheartedly my soul undeserving God you're so
Good to see you this morning. I uh, certainly miss being with you last Sunday while we were away, uh, but are certainly glad to uh, be back with you today. Uh, good to see Steve Centers out there for our church body and those who are online as well who have joined us. Uh, uh, Steve uh, has a uh, uh, melanoma, you don't mind me saying that, do you? Started in his eye, uh, has been in chemotherapy, uh, just had a recent scan, and they have uh, at this point said that uh, the shadows on the scans of his liver are scars 
and no longer tumors. So, uh, amen. We celebrate every day God gives you, dear brother, uh, as we do each other. And uh, just see the hand of God at work and uh, kind of exciting to see that. I appreciate the worship team, uh, Alex, uh, for leading uh, the month of uh, July. Uh, Josh uh, says, uh, I said I needed a break, and uh, so uh, he's uh, going to be gone next Sunday for his mother's birthday, and we are delighted that you're able to do that as well. Uh, I want to thank all of you who helped make last Wednesday night with our children such a good success. I will say this. Uh, you parents should not allow the pastor to be around chil your children. Uh, man, did we just had too much fun, okay? Uh, it was a good time had by all. Uh, it was uh, around a great Bible lesson. And uh, actually, if you'll come back tonight, we're going to, uh, kids, we're going to refer back to it. And uh, I want you to be here tonight if you can because uh, I've got a question I want to ask you about uh, the story that we studied this past week. And, uh, and you're going to need to bring all your fingers and toes with you, okay? I, you can kind of maybe think about what I'm going to ask you. Uh, and uh, then uh, I also want to remind you that, uh, if you're, especially if you're new, that once a month uh, we have the Lord's Supper and we are having it today. Uh, we do have the prepackaged uh, communion uh, elements that are on the tables in the back and upstairs. Uh, if you haven't picked up one and as a born-again believer you want to participate in this, this would probably be a good time to go ahead and, and go pick up one. Uh, I'll give you permission to do that. And, uh, and, and I want to make one more announcement. Uh, even the elders don't know about this. Uh, uh, but uh, since I'm the, the one who preaches in the pulpit, uh, as I've worked on the message this week, and, or for this week and then two weeks ago, uh, the word repentance is uh, in our, our text of Scripture. And uh, I have thought we should uh, talk about repentance uh, what does it mean? Uh, how do we repent? How do we know when we've repented? Uh, can we repent and then uh, fail in that area of repentance? And I thought, who should be the one to do this? Well, obviously the best teacher is the Holy Spirit. Second best teacher that I know on repentance is Dr. Ab Abercrombie. Uh, so I've asked him if he'll preach next Sunday on repentance. And uh, I, I want to be here uh, because he does such an excellent job dealing with the subject matter. Uh, so look forward to him being here. He and his wife, Karen, uh, as you know, are biblical counselors. Uh, we have an office for them uh, in our building that's right behind us. Please, uh, uh, if you are in need of biblical counseling, they are available for you. But uh, particularly as we reach out to the community and the unbelieving world, uh, let's not forget that they are here as servants of the Lord. So look forward to next Sunday. Uh, and uh, I'm not trying to get out of preaching. I'm trying to hopefully give you the best that I know of uh, around repentance. This morning... Uh, 
We're in the final words of 2 Peter chapter, uh, well, 2 Peter, and we're in chapter 3, and uh, we started two weeks ago with uh, one of four final words. Uh, we're going to pick up the second final word in this passage, uh, and it's in uh, chapter 3 of 2 Peter, verses 14 through 18. And uh, I want to read that text, uh, to all of it, and then we'll have a word of prayer again. Uh, beginning in verse 14, Therefore, therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, we're talking about the return of the Lord and the renewal of all things, a new heaven and a new earth. Since you're waiting for these things, this is what you and I are to be doing. Be diligent. To be found by him without spot or blemish. Living holy lives. And no matter what's going on around you, what does he say? And at peace. We dealt with that a couple of weeks ago. Now, uh, today, we will start in verse 15. And it says, And count the patience of our Lord as salvation. Just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, Take care that you're not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen and amen. May the Lord bless the reading of His Word. And Father, Your Word is like life to our souls. When the Holy Spirit is welcomed by us to make application in our lives, and, and Lord, it is combined with faith and obedience, Lord, it breathes new life into us. For Lord, we recognize that we are like branches that apart from the vine we die but we have been engrafted into Christ by grace uh, through faith and as we abide in Christ Lord we experience his life apart from him there is nothing good of eternal consequence that we can accomplish but when we are abiding in Christ uh, we bear forth much fruit and so father we ask you to help us in whatever the assignment is uh, to be found in Christ dependent on Christ yielded to Christ surrendered to him and his life and his word being a part of who we are so that the Holy Spirit would bring forth fruit through us we pray this blessing for our church, but not only our church, but the church of Jesus Christ around the world. As the gospel is preached, we pray for our missionaries that this day 
that they might know your abiding presence in such a real way that they know they're part of the bigger community of believers around the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So uh, basically have three uh, simple little points I want to bring to you this morning. And we're talking about being mindful. That is, uh, keep it in, in your mind. Be alert. Be aware. Be awakened to what's going on. Uh, be awakened to our salvation uh, is the first thing we'll talk about. And the second is be uh, mindful of Scripture uh, and its role in your life, my life, and then be mindful of, uh, this may not be the best word to use, striving, because uh, we're reminded to quit striving and to trust. But what I mean by that is keep, keep reaching for. Our word here in the text is to reach. I want you to be uh, exhorted to keep reaching for what Christ has in store for you, for his church, and for the world through God's great salvation. So, uh, first point uh, in verse 15 is being mindful of salvation. And, and, and look again at the simplicity of the words. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation. It's just a simple little statement. Think about it this way. Put it in your mind this way. And you have to remember the context in which Peter is speaking is false teachers, right? He's warning against false teachers. And in particular, uh, those who are saying, uh, well, the Lord's not coming back. Things are going to continue as they always have. And you don't have to worry about things. There's not going to be an accounting that's going to take place. You don't have to worry about a judgment that's to come. There's really not a... A hell to worry about. Those are the kind. You can basically do whatever you want to do. And be a Christian. And everything's going to be okay. There, there's, not, there's not a master coming back to check on the servants. And so don't worry about it. And, and that's kind of the prevailing thought in which Peter is writing against. And here he says, don't understand this. That God's patience is for the purpose of what? Salvation. Why is God waiting? Why does God give another breath? Why does God give you another day? Uh, it is to count or regard, to be intentional in understanding what God's patience is for. It is for the purpose, he says here very clearly, for salvation. And, and we're not just talking about conversion. We have a tendency to think, uh, well, I am saved. I, I've got the privilege of, uh, there are at least three of our young people who are waiting for the preacher in the next uh, few days or so to come by and talk to them about uh, uh, they have trusted Christ as their Lord and Savior and uh, we want to affirm them and they want to follow the Lord publicly in believers' baptism and that's just, these are exciting days to see people following Christ publicly and openly uh, and, and we say they are saved but when we say saved we're talking about the whole thing we're the whole process we're talking about our our being made right with God 
through the blood of Jesus Christ, our growing in grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, and our ultimate uh, continuation in heaven and enjoying the presence of God for all eternity. Uh, so when he says, count it and regard it for salvation that God is waiting, he's talking both to unbeliever and believer. So don't forget that. Don't think in terms of, well, God's not necessarily speaking to me. Yes, he is. God is leaving room for repentance on our part as followers of Jesus Christ. Because do you ever get off the path? Do you ever, do you ever does something never catch your eye and you say, well, I'm just going to make a short little detour. I really don't want to go down this road very far. And then you find yourself sometimes lost. I'm not talking about spiritually lost in the sense of you're unsaved, but I'm talking about lost in selfishness, lost in the pleasures of the world, lost in the mindset of the world, or whatever it is. And uh, he's calling us back. Uh, it's really this idea of knowing what God's up to. The sons of Issachar. I know you're very familiar with them, right? Certainly. Uh, oh, one of the tribes in Israel in 1 Chronicles 12:32 it says about them they were men who understood the times they understood the day in which they live and they knew what Israel what God's people ought to do they were they were wise guys okay and, and we should be like the sons of Issachar uh, we should not misinterpret the patience of the Lord, but understand God's up to something. Why is he waiting? Why am I here? Uh, so he's saying really, uh, don't be ignorant of what's going on around you. Uh, Paul, in the context of talking about living in updated forgiveness, in other words, uh, not holding grudges against people, not uh, being uh, side-railed by uh, bitterness in your life. In uh, 2 Corinthians 2.11, he says, uh, don't get off in unforgiveness so that we would not be outwitted by Satan. You and I can be easily outwitted by Satan, not understanding what's going on around us, Getting off into other things, for we, he says, are not ignorant of his design. Satan's, he's like a roaring lion, walking about, seeking someone to devour. We sang a song about, uh, maybe, maybe if we have troubles in, in life, and the answer is we will have troubles if you live long enough. You'll have trials, you'll have difficulties, hardship. What do you and I do when things seem to be falling apart? What about a whole, uh, our country right now? You know, I, 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 I don't normally watch those videos, but it was just a little bit video about uh, a kid uh, and a, an American flag, and I, it, it was caught on somebody's house camera and his mother and he, were, he looked like he was about 10, 11 years of age. And they're, they're riding their bicycles and he stops. And this kid goes and he grabs the American flag that was sticking in the uh, person's yard. He pulls it up and he throws it in disgust down on the ground. And I thought, wow, it, it's a commentary on the heart condition 
I think of our country right now. What do, you, what do we do? Well, I, I talked to three people in the last two days where I did not initiate, I did initiate the, a conversation, but I did not initiate this conversation. One was a uh, Vicenarian. Uh, the other one was an octogenarian, and the other was a nonagenarian. And y'all know what those people are, right? Well, I, I, I knew what an octogenarian was. That's somebody who's in their 80s, okay? Well, a vicenarian is somebody who's in their 20s. You didn't know that, did you? That's why they're so full of vice. And No, I'm kidding. Uh, it, was a, it was a 20-year-old I ran into and started a conversation with, and the non, nonagenarian is somebody who's in their 90s. So uh, I was talking with people on, on a different uh, scale, and uh, they brought up to me the, the trouble that our country is in. And they started discussing it. And the 20-year-old, uh, he was two sheets to the wind at the time and and in the conversation he found out that I was a pastor and he asked me the question he says what are we going to do and I said I don't know what do you think we should do and this is was his response he's in his 20s he said only God can save us and in the conversation with the 80-year-old, we're talking about his family and he's talking about the trouble that his family's in and his kids and his grandkids and how they're disregarding the truth of God's Word. And he looked at me and he says, what am I supposed to do? What are we going to do? And before I could give an answer, he said, I know the answer to that. Only God can save us. And, of course, the 90-year-old is my mother. And we were in discussion yesterday, and, and she kept asking me the question, why does God continue to leave, leave me here at 97 years of age? And in our discussion, she responded, I know what you're going to tell me. <laughs> you're going to tell me that I'm here because God is mighty to save. And, my friends, that's exactly what we're being reminded of here in Peter. And it's something that we forget. And we easily forget it when the pressure comes in or when the trials come, when things are falling apart around us, uh, when no one that we talk to seems to want to talk about spiritual things. And by the way, I never thought this 20-year-old would want to talk about spiritual things, uh, but he did. You never know when the opportunities are going to arise where we can say God is mighty to save. Remember, he says, count the patience of the Lord as salvation. So why does God let things continue to go on like they are going? The patience of the Lord is for the purpose of salvation. I don't know how many times I, w I would go you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago up to somebody and I would talk to them about the Lord and this is what they would say. Oh, I'm saved. I made a decision at church when I was a little kid. I know that I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I go up to those same type people today who were raised in church, who were part of vacation Bible school, were baptized, said I was going to heaven and this is what they say to me. I no longer believe in God. And that's a bad thing, right? 
But we're all that way when we're born. We're all just like that. And we need to be born again. The good news is at least they know what now. They're not living under a false assumption that they've really been born again. At least they're coming out and saying, I don't, I don't believe. I, I'm not going to heaven. I don't believe in a heaven. Well, you know what I'm reminded of? The Word of God is like a hammer. I don't know if you've ever hit your thumb or finger with a hammer. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Can I tell you, if you've ever been hammering and you've hit your thumb with a hammer, you know what? You know you've been hit with a hammer. And if God's Word is like a hammer, what are we supposed to do with the unbelieving world? Ham yeah, hammer them. I like it. Hammer them with the Word of God. Speak the Word of truth with love in our hearts. You see, I was a rebellious child. I was a rebellious teenager. And, and I look back on it. Mom and Dad could look back on it and think there's no hope. But where's the hope? Christ is the hope. He is mighty to save. You, our job is just to simply share Him. You see, that's why we're exhorted back in verse 14. We looked at it uh, two weeks ago. Uh, to live lives that are without spot and without blemish. Knowing what Peter reminded us of or told us in the first letter that Peter wrote. Back in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 13, he says, But... You are to honor Christ in your heart. In your hearts honor Christ the, whole, the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you a reason, for a reason, for the hope that is in you. And he didn't say, and I know I, I said hammer. That sounds really hard, but notice what God says. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Speak the truth, do it in love. Share with them the Word of God. You and I aren't the hammer. The Word of God is the hammer. And our job is to share that without apology to an unbelieving world. And, and, and they will engage you. That's one of the things I have found out about this, this new unbelieving generation, is they will engage you in conversation. They will. Whereas before, they would cut off conversation by saying, Oh, I've been saved and baptized. Thank you. Bye. And they don't do that anymore. And I know, we wish they could all say that and it'd be true, but if it wasn't true, isn't it good to know that they no longer believe a lie? And now we can share the gospel and let the hammer of the Word of God do its work. Remember... Folks, we are in a, the arena of a spiritual battle and we fight not against flesh and blood and we are not to use the weapons of this world but we're to use spiritual weapons. And our weapons are faith in God, it's prayer, it's the Word of God, it is loving people in the name of Jesus Christ. Number two, be mindful of Scripture. So we're to be mindful of salvation, that God's patience is there for the purpose of uh, salvation. But be mindful of Scripture. Count the patience of our Lord as salvation. And then notice how he goes on. Just as our beloved brother Paul 
also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him. What's he talking about? When Paul wrote, what did he write? He wrote scripture. He, he wrote things according to the wisdom that was given to him by the Spirit of God. Holy men of God who were moved by the Holy Spirit wrote down the word of God. In verse 16, he says, as he does in all of his letters, when he speaks in them on these matters, or of these matters. Now, question is, you know, and uh, the, the Bible teachers debate, what's he referring to here? Well, when he says these matters, apparently to me he's talking about false teachers, God's patience and salvation, and how you and I are to live in this world. It's, it's clear that Paul's writings are called Scripture in this context. Now, you have to understand, now this is Peter. Peter is the one that in Galatians chapter 2, what did Paul do? Paul ripped his hide off. Remember? He confronts Peter because Peter is there at the church and he's been eating with the Gentiles all the time and having a great time in fellowship and communion with the saints. And when Paul shows up from Jerusalem, Peter's up in Antioch, when Paul shows up from Jerusalem with some Jewish believers, what does Peter do? Peter separates himself from the Gentiles, and he gets with his own group. You know, it was like uh, it used to be when I was in high school, and we would have a pep rally at our School and we had the in the gym and we had the stadium, uh, the, the stands on one side and the stands on the other side, and in, invariably uh, it was one ethnic group on one side and another ethnic group on the other side. As much as we strove to be in union with one another and fought racism as much as we could in those days, we would just do that. Peter does the same thing, and Paul says, "You're wrong." God says we're wrong when we do that. Okay? <laughs> and this is Peter. And now Peter is writing back about this guy who j has already just chastised him. And what does he say about Paul's writings? They're scripture. You need to listen to what Paul has written just as if God has written it. In 1 Peter 3.18, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey. When? When God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. What's Peter arguing from? Scripture. He's telling the story of the Old Testament. Just like we did on Wednesday night about Elijah. And how God shows up and answered a prayer. And it's exciting to go back and see the stories of the Old Testament and see how they apply to everyday living. And he's going back and saying, you think things are bad now? You should have been in the days of Noah. And in the days of Noah, Noah preached for 120 years and how many converts did he have? 
There was himself and seven others. And yet it was the opportunity for God to save. And God saves those whom he had called to himself. And he does it through the word of God just as Peter refers to the Old Testament as God's word. Paul as a speaker of scripture as God's word. And you and I need to be very careful that we're teaching people what God's word says. Not what I think, not what I believe. Well, I don't know if you know, but there is a PBS story about the Gospel of Thomas. And in the Gospel of Thomas, it tells about Jesus being, he was married, M-A-R-R-I-E-D, to Mary. Did you know that? And you know, you know I look at that and I go, uh, uh, would you like me to do that on a more scholastic level? When I, when I look at that, I know that it is a falsehood. The early church rejected those writings, which, by the way, it was written somewhere 3rd, 4th century A.D., not during the time when the Gospels were written. And yet, there's a whole world of people out there who are saying, I no longer believe the Bible is true because PBS says, or the scientist says, or the, uh, the scholar says, and you and I back off. And yet, we have a hammer. We have a sword. We have a word of God that comes, and in God, in just a few words, He speaks the world into being. And we forget the power of the Word of God. And so we don't share it. And Peter's reminding us here. Be mindful of the Scripture. Know it for yourself and share it with others. It has great power. It is mighty to save. In 2 Timothy 3.16 All Scripture is breathed out by God. It, it is profitable. And you'll know the list there. I, I, I'm giving you 12 things that I'm going to say that it does. And you could just go on and on and on. It's profitable because it leads to salvation. God's Word is profitable because it cleanses our minds as believers in Jesus Christ. It is possible because it lights the way for us. Its word is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. It is profitable it, because it gives us wisdom. It gives us godly and heavenly wisdom, not earthly wisdom, as James teaches us. It reveals Christ to us. How do I know who Jesus is? He's revealed in Scripture. It is profitable because it is our weapon and our spiritual battle. It is profitable because it corrects us. It is profitable because it comforts us. It is profitable because it gives God's promises to us. It is profitable because the Spirit of God teaches it to our souls. It is profitable because it magnifies the Lord Jesus Christ, it is profitable because it glorifies our Heavenly Father. God's Word, the Scripture that you and I have at our disposal, where men like William Tyndale gave his life so that you and I could have a copy of Scripture in English. 
Oh, it happened centuries ago. And you and I, we, we forget the stories. We forget the cost that has been paid so that you and I can have the privilege of having a copy of the Word of God. Those who painstakingly wrote it from page to page before the printing press came, who passed it on so that you and I could have it, and yet we are sometimes negligent of it. Peter says don't. Then lastly, be mindful of striving. Again, remember the context here. Verse 16 says, There are some things in them, that's Paul's letters, that are hard to understand. Do you ever have difficulty understanding Scripture? Or how about Paul when he talks about certain things? You know, when he, in the the, uh, 1 Corinthians 7, when he's talking about marriage, he says, it would just be better that you not be married. Now, wait a minute. If we just quit getting married, what would happen? Well, you know, we wouldn't wouldn't have godly households. We wouldn't have godly children. Well, what does Paul mean by that? And he's, he's using it as a story to say that, The world takes much away from you and keeps you from being involved in the kingdom work. And you and I need to know that. And we need to, as married couples, be intentional. And if you're single, take opportunity that God has given you. Uh, Scripture's hard to understand at times. And and he says it's, it's hard to understand him, but know this. Because it's hard to understand, there are false teachers that are out there who are going to twist. The word twist means to pervert. To make it used for that purpose for which it is not used. I mentioned a hammer earlier. And I'm holding an iPhone 11 in my hand. And there's a nail up here. And I want to put that nail in. And man, wouldn't it be a great thing to use it for that? Kids? No, it wouldn't. That'd be, that'd be crazy. It does not make a good hammer. That would be using it for a purpose for which it was not intended. And so it is. If we are uh, listening to the false teachers, they're twisting the truth of God's Word and making us think it says something when it really doesn't say that. But be clear about the reason why God is reminding us to keep on reaching out. Keep on reaching out. Because verse 9, and we looked at a few weeks ago of chapter 3. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise as some count slowness. But He is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach And that word means to make movement from one place or position to another. Make make progress toward repentance. So you see, we need to repent. We need to turn. We need to change our minds constantly, regularly. Coming back to what God says. Getting about the purpose for which God has given us. Why did I have... Now, granted, the conversation with my mother was an easy conversation to start. Why did I have two other conversations in two days with people about Christ? Well, that's why I'm here. You say, well, you're a preacher. No, that's, 
that's not part of my, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm a, to be a witness. We're all to be witnesses unto the world about who Jesus is. So we're to be mindful. Remember what Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane? After he had gone to pray, he said, pray for me, remember? And then he comes back and what does he find the disciples doing? Sleeping. Unaware of what's going on. Unaware that this is the, the most monumental moment in history. They're totally unaware of it. Jesus says to them again, verse 41 of Matthew 26, Watch and pray. Watch and pray. Again in Luke chapter 21, verse 34, But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation. That is, things that just, just spread you out so thin that you're useless, and drunkenness, and the cares of life. And that day, the day of the Lord's return, that it would come upon you suddenly like a trap. So what are we to do? We're to return unto the Lord. All of us. That's why we come to the Lord's table. Remember, if you've had a bath, as Jesus was instituting the Lord's Supper, he, he said to Peter, I'm going to wash your feet. Peter says, no. If you've had a bath, you don't need to be bathed again. That is, if you're saved, you don't need to be saved again. But you know what you do? You need to have your feet cleansed. And that's why we do this over and over and over again. It's to remind us, I need to confess my sin. I need to repent of my rebellious, disobedient heart. And I need to return to the Lord in faithful faith and trust in Him. And then I need to obey Him. And so it will be that we need to come to that table just like that. We're going to give a public invitation. And it may be that you can do this at your seat. It may be that you need to come to the altar and pray. If Christ is, has spoken to you about becoming his child today, we invite you to come. Pastor Matthew is here with me at the front. And uh, we would welcome you to come and follow the Lord. If you're looking for a church home, we also invite you to come. But let's stand together and... Uh, have a word of prayer before we sing and encourage to respond to Christ. And, O oh, Father, we do come thanking you for the precious gift of your salvation, the eternal life that you offer freely through Christ our Lord. But you require that we come with repentant hearts, you require that we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and that we express that in faith that is obedience unto you. And so, Lord, we come to this time where both the unredeemed and those who have been redeemed will come to the Lord to come for salvation, to come for restoration as we are restored through the blood of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Would you